Hello and welcome to the Turned On Podcast. I'm Angelique Nori and my husband David and I have made it our mission to break the darkness by flipping the switch on the four most important areas of your life in health, relationships, business, and in faith. And sometimes the light in the world and in your life can go dim, either from the intrusion of technology or simply because society is so driven by instant gratification. It's our mission to help people see that we're hardwired for connection and that the best things in life come when we turn on the light to see with new eyes the opportunity that exists just a flip away. So if you're ready to stir your spirit, open your eyes, and profit in all areas of your life, then let's get turned on. Here we go. Welcome back to the Turned On Podcast. This is your host, David Nori, and to my left is not, is not Angelique Nori. No, no, she's much better looking. <laughs> what we have here, my friends, is somebody who is right now getting ready for the upcoming Juno Awards. What you don't know about the Juno Awards, if you're here in America, those are the equivalent to like the Grammy Awards. And you're going to be up for Breakthrough Artist of the Year and Country mm -hmm. Album of the Year. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome, Luke Hunter. <laughs> yeah, thank you very much, David. I appreciate you having me. Well, Luke, uh, you know, this is your first time in the jungle room and being a musician, what's your impression? Uh, it's, it's impressive. I tell you what, I, uh, you have to take a few minutes to take it all in because you have some amazing collective uh, items, some cool guitars on the wall, some amazing pictures. You've done well. This is like a, this is like a, a sweet man cave it is and i think what i think what we're going to need is we're going to need a luke hunter signed bass guitar in here sooner or later <laughs> well maybe one day but i i have a few uh i have a few things to do yet before i think i'm worthy of that well you've you've got a very interesting story you know we became friends through um your brother and sister-in-law but really tell us a little bit about um about you now you're one of five brothers mm -hmm. right and i am it's not Jackie, Tito, Jermaine, and Marlon, right? It's not the Jackson Five, but this is <laughs> this is the Hunter Five. Tell us about the Hunter Five. Yeah, no, it's not that, but it is JJ, DJ, LJ, BJ, and TJ. My uh, our parents uh, gave us all middle names that started with J, um, so uh, that is somewhat confusing. We mom and dad kind of go through the list of all of us brothers when they're calling us out until they land on the right one. But um, yeah, no, we, uh, we grew up in a little town called Shawnaman, Saskatchewan uh, in Canada. It's in the Southwest corner of the province, uh, right above the U S Montana border. And uh, that's where our family farm is located. Uh, it's a, it's a big farm. Dad, dad grew right from the time he was a little boy. And then um, us boys jumped in as we kind of came along, we farmed just over 21,000 acres. And um, so it keeps us busy. Um, and, Combined with that, we, we did a lot of music growing up and a lot of hockey as well. It was, uh, oftentimes we talk about how um, mom and dad kind of had an agreement and uh, we weren't allowed to play hockey unless our piano was practiced. Mom was the push behind the music and dad was the push behind the sports. So that was kind of our life growing up. Yeah, so if we're, if we're looking at this, we're going to talk about faith, family, farming, fame, uh, fatherhood, the whole thing. Uh, let's get into this. Let's get into this part here. What was your first uh, kind of aha moment? We talked about this. I know you're a big hockey player. Mm -hmm. um, what was that aha moment we were talking about earlier? Yeah, it's, that was a huge part of my journey. Um, looking back now, I think 
uh, especially just kind of seeing how God has unfolded uh, so many pieces since. Um, but at, at the time, it was, it was pretty crazy. I was signed with the Calgary Flames affiliate team playing in their farm system. I started out um, in the East Coast with the Las Vegas Wranglers and then uh, ended up uh, moving to uh, Wichita where I played in Kansas. And I was, I was actually only nine games into my, my professional career and during that time there, I was feeling extremely restless um, in my journey and didn't know if this was the path that, that God wanted me on, um, even though it was, it was my life, you know, up to mm-hmm. that point, we'd, I poured everything into uh, the hockey and that journey, but there was this uneasy, restless feeling that was going on. And we were, we had a game the following night. And I remember the evening before being down on my knees uh, beside my bed, just pleading, literally pleading with God that he would, um, show me a sign, you know, allow something to happen, you know, speak to me in some way, um, as to what direction I should head and and the course of my journey. And I kid you not the very next night during our game, um, we had a line brawl and, uh, I got into a fight with a guy who actually, I gouged me and I lost all the vision in my right eye. Uh, I got rushed to, rushed to emergency surgery and um, I've had sur- th- three surgeries on my eye since, but that was, that it was like God just said, as they say, in a blink of an eye, he changed the, the course of my direction, literally in a blink of an eye. Yeah. And uh, yeah, that, that was kind of that aha moment of, well, you know, God was listening and he heard me and it came in the form of an eye injury, but uh, it, it was pretty crazy. Did you, did you go through a lot of different emotions? I can imagine if, if you thought you were going to be a professional hockey player, did you go through, did you go through fear? Did you go through anger? Did you go through disappointment? Yeah, I did. It's, yeah, it's funny you ask that because I, as much as I was searching um, and wanting God's will to be done in my life, um, I absolutely did go through all those emotions. As I kind of mentioned earlier, hockey had been my life. I mean, my, my summers, even during when the seasons were over, my summers were filled with just training uh, for the following year. And I mean, all I'd ever dreamt about was playing professional hockey. And so when that happened, yeah, there was, I, I think I went through all those emotions of kind of this, this, uh, what just happened, you know, anger of not ever reaching my goals, confusion. Um, but I think under underlying it all was still uh, knowing that that uh, God had His hand on the whole thing and had control of the whole the whole uh, situation. Um, and uh, yeah, it was just pretty pretty radical part of my life. You know, I love it because sometimes we can't see what God's doing. We can't see what He's what He's working on in our future. And and our human nature is to is to live in the moment, of course. And and then we have to trust. And how would you have possibly known that? You know. All these years later, you would be on the verge of, of you're being up for the best new artists, breakthrough artists in the Juno Awards. And you guys have, uh, tell us a little bit about your singing career and how, how that came about. Yeah, so we, uh, my brothers and I, there's five of us boys, uh, no other siblings, just us five brothers. Um, and we're all part of the band, all part of the group. Um, we grew up singing gospel music, I guess, originally with my parents, even we have videos of us singing on stage when, when my mom was pregnant with my youngest brother, that's how many, uh, that's how long ago, we, oh. how many years we've been doing this. I think we sang Southern gospel for 20 some years. We, we often kind of refer to ourselves as the, the weekend warriors. Cause we would farm all, uh, farm all summer and on the weekends take off for mu- for music. And then in the winter we were gone playing hockey, but that's kind of how the, the music started was we we're, we we're more a vocal group. 
acapella mm-hmm. group, sang okay. a lot of vocals, and then um, we reached a point in our in our uh, lives where um, we felt God calling us to a younger generation. The Southern Gospel obviously uh, is more targeted towards sure. towards older the older generation, but we felt God really calling us um, in a different direction. And um, through various injuries um, with my other brothers, my two older brothers both played professional hockey as well. And uh, through various injuries with them, um, we came back home and, and we just said, hey, why don't we give this this music a go and, and see what we can do with it? And that, that, that was about six years ago now. Um, and it's just been quite the journey ever since. So there's so many interesting parts of the story. You've kind of lived three lifetimes. You're kind of simultaneously living three different lives. You're living the yeah. life of a farmer, a full-time farmer, which we'll talk about. You're living the life of, of a hockey, uh, a, a emerging hockey star. And then at the same time, you're uh, a budding singer or what you'd call a, a musician, rock star, country <laughs> star. I mean, all three are really cool. And now we find yourself trying to balance that with yeah. a wife and children. So yeah. um, we've had so many conversations over the last couple of of months and even today when we were, when we met for coffee and we're still looking for that uh that kind of guidance god where do you want me you know i mean you could probably smell being on the verge of a major major breakthrough in music yeah right yeah and at the same time uh farming is all you know from from the time you were a kid you said earlier that you'd never missed putting a crop in the ground yeah i mean yeah. that's and, and that's a hard life, isn't it? It is. Yeah, it's a, it's a tremendous amount of work. Um, a lot of people that, you know, aren't farmers have no concept of, of the amount of hours then, um, that are put into um, the farming business. It's, you know, I've watched my dad right from a young age pour his heart and soul into the farm. Right. And, and uh, from a little boy, obviously, everything from, from picking rocks to shoveling grain to, you know, putting... 20 plus hour days um out in the field where you're driving tractors and combines and trying to get the crop off and um it's a it's a whole different lifestyle um that is very unique to itself and um it's very special though as well well the first question that comes to my mind is how do the three intersect where where do they what do they have in common so the life of a farmer the life of a, a budding hockey star, professional hockey player, and and a and a, what I call rock and roll star, because I know you guys are a country band, and that's yeah. what that's what you're listening to. You're up for a country album of the year, which is awesome. But I've seen some of your live shows, and uh, yeah, while it is country, you guys are I call you a rock star here in America. <laughs> so, what do those three have in common? Well, that's you know what I I think in a lot of ways they are eerily similar. Um, and I think starting out with a farm um, where I can draw the, the comparison is, is that uh, is the work ethic that it takes um, the long hours that, that you put in um, in order to hone that craft. Um, and it's no different with the, with the sports as well as now with the hockey. Um, but the, I think like anything in life, if you want to be, if you want to be good at something or succeed in, in something, you have to put the time in and uh, you have to have the work ethic and the dedication. And I think um it started from the farm. My dad demanded it of us boys. Um, he had a saying that um, has stuck with with all of us boys uh, from a young age. He had us he had us learn it. It's all about time, and it goes, life is just a minute, only sixty seconds in it. Forced upon you, can't refuse it. Didn't seek it, didn't choose it, but it's up to you to use it. You must suffer if you lose it. Give an account if you abuse it. Just a tiny little minute, but eternity is in it, and. 
that was all just, you know, that can, that can be, you know, um, that can be related to so many different facets of life. Um, but time usage, we only have so much time on this, in this world and so much time God has given us and what are you going to use it for? Yeah. And, uh, so yeah, I guess that's a long way around to saying, I think they, they tie into each other with just the hard work on the farm, the dedication that correlated with the hockey, the time, the work ethic. And, and now with the music now, it's just, you know, doing what you can to, uh, um, you know, to give your, yourself every chance at, at success. So, I mean, well, well, speaking of time management, um, the next question is with all those three things, how did you find time to, to get married and have three children? Yeah, I mean, that's a great, <laughs> that's a great, you, you are optimizing your days, my friend. Yeah. And nights. Right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, we, uh, I have a funny story that, that kind of relates to that. Um, my oldest brother, JJ and, and I, our middle child uh, kids, our daughters are only three days apart. And, um, uh, we were laughing about this because um, we went back and figured out the day that we had finished harvest. Yeah. Uh, and when our daughters were, uh, <laughs> were born and literally they were conceived like two or three days after we had finished the harvest season. And so, um, yeah, that's, uh, that's kind of when we had our fun, but, um, no, literally, think, right. Yeah, literally <laughs> man um, comes in from a hard day's work in the fields yeah. and, uh, this is getting biblical. Now we're going to get into that part. That's right. No. And I think, uh, to your point though, that's been the hardest part, um, about all this is, balancing, uh, family time, uh, which is what is most important, obviously, aside from our, our relationship with Christ, but, uh, balancing family time, um, and prioritizing that carving out the time that's necessary, but still, um, dedicating yourself to, uh, to the task at hand and, and doing what's necessary there. And that whole balancing act yeah. is very difficult. Well, you know, you said, uh, your relationship with Christ, and that's definitely going to be a part that we're going to weave into here because, um, as, as a sports writer for most of my life, I know what a, or I've been around enough professional athletes to know what that's like, you know, a walk through Christ when you are a professional athlete is, uh, mm -hmm. probably not the easiest thing to do. And then no. you got to think of what's, what's the one thing that might be harder to have a walk through Christ in other than outside a professional athlete. And that is, uh, musician rock star yeah. right i mean yeah. so tell us about your relationship with with christ and um and how you do that well it's been an ongoing journey and uh i by no means have reached um where i where i know i need to be um i was very blessed and fortunate to grow up in a christian home um have godly parents that uh that raise us boys um going to church and and speaking into our lives. And, uh, so it, it started there for sure. Um, I think with the hockey, I was fortunate too to have an older brother who really paved the way, um, led by example. Mm -hmm. Um, I know through his journey, he went through all sorts of different trials and temptations. And, uh, before I ever went down there and probably the biggest piece of advice he ever gave me was Luke, you need to plant your flag early. Um, let people know where you stand immediately. Um, because if you don't, you'll find yourself into situations where um, it's much harder than to back out of. Um, and you might take, uh, it might be hard originally, you might get made fun of and people give you a hard time. But it was amazing how by planting my flag early and letting guys know where I stood in the locker room, 
um, how when those times came, um, how they almost kept me accountable. Yeah. And, and I think they look, they look to see if the words that you say are going to match uh, what your actions Ooh, are. That's good. And um, that was a huge part of the, the hockey world for me um, was that aspect of it. And I think now in the music, um, we've been very fortunate in the sense that um, I do, I'm doing it with my brothers. Yeah. And there's accountability factor there that's automatically in place. And we've just set very, very um, intricate boundaries yeah, and gotta. rules on the road um, where we're never allowed to be alone ever at any point in time. And just practical things um, to help us. Because, I mean, let's, let's be real. As men, we, we, and as humans, we make mistakes and we yeah. struggle. And, and I think that's important. Well, I like what you said. Let's go back to this because this is for anybody, but especially young men listening out there. Uh, plant your flag early and let people know where you stand. And then the other part is they're watching and they'll, they'll test you. Some people will test you because they don't like where you stand and they, and they want to know that they can tempt you. And some people just want to say, is this guy really who he is? So you're setting an example and we see that every day. So for anybody out there and and you're going to be in a situation and, and you're a young Christian or, or maybe you're, you know, you've been somewhere for a while, but you're around people who you know you have to let them know right away. This is who I am. This yeah. is what I stand for. Yeah. And then when when the situation arises, you must be ready to stand up to your values. That's pretty cool. 100%. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. It's uh, it, That was a huge part of, of uh, my journey. And I know I, I, I have a story that just kind of sticks out in my mind while just listening to you talk about that. And as an example, and not that, you know, alcohol in and of itself is bad or that I don't believe in that, but um, you know, that having a drink is fine, but um, it's just a story that kind of resonated with me. And we were at a party one time and the guys were all kind of getting plastered and stuff was going on. And I remember, I remember grabbing, I wasn't grabbing it to drink. I was literally grabbing a beer to clean up stuff. And one of my best buddies, um, was, you know, completely drunk out of his mind at the time, thought that I was grabbing it to take a drink. And he literally came over and grabbed my arm and he was like, Hunts, he called me Hunts. Hunts, if you take a drink of that beer, I will punch you square in the face. And he literally said that to right. me because he, you know, he had at that point in time, you know, I developed that friendship and relationship with him, but it was cool how he was one of the guys originally that was giving me such a hard time right. about it. Right. But how that transitioned into all of a sudden him, uh, you know, almost defending what I believed. Well, it's interesting because we were looking at these guitars out here in my in my den, and and I've watched so many rock and roll documentaries, and um, we see that tears people apart. But there's one out there we were looking at. It was Ted Nugent's guitar, right? And it's signed by him. Yeah. And here's the thing, you know, Angelique and I went out to dinner with him and his wife a couple of years ago, and uh, I didn't know this about him. He never had a drink. He doesn't never. Well, and yeah. and he's you know he's the Motor City Madman, right? And yeah. and he's out there rock and rolling on stage. He's doing his thing. But I mean, he is a man of conviction. And and then I think us on the outside fans of music, we just automatically assume, you know, when I see you up there and you guys are so, you're so fun on stage, you're acrobatic and, and there's so much life. And I think to myself, God, you know, the test that you must go through, you're all good looking guys, you're young guys. And then, um, I think if we are a fan of rock and roll, if you're a fan of country music and you look at it from the outside, we don't realize that these are human beings with wives and families and, and they face so many of the hardships. And we were talking a little bit about that today. Mm-hmm. Um, we were talking with our friend, Stephen Camiolo, and we had um, coffee with him this morning. And it's just as three men from three different places. We said, there's a little bit of pressure 
being a Christian man, because you lead your family and you know that it's not just you that you're responsible for. Yeah. You know, if, it's like we, we compared it to being in a boat. Um, and if it was just you, you know, you would take chances and you would do things. But if that boat's sinking, you're like, well, you know, I got to save myself. But you have to make decisions every day for your wife. I have to make decisions for my wife and, and our family. Mm-hmm. And that puts a lot of pressure on us because there's a lot at stake, right? Yeah. And, and we know that, hey, tomorrow could be your big break and you could be a household name all over the world. Um, and then you have the family farm and you have a, 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 an attachment to that part. And, and then you're just trying to do the best you can every day. When, when we're talking about, um, you know, the decisions that a, a Christian man has to make every day are, are I, I don't want to say our bar is set higher, but we, we, we do have to be responsible for a, a wife and a, and a family. And it's a partnership. Don't get me wrong. I mean, we, we both married strong women. Yes. Yes, we did. But, but that role of the head of the household and feeling a responsibility, and then you're pulled in different directions. We know that part of the turned on philosophy is making sure that we don't miss the moments with our children. But at yeah. the same time, we realize there are certain sacrifices that we have to make in order to put food on the table. Yeah, exactly. And sometimes it's hard for kids to understand that. Yes, it is. And, and then you're, you're, in, a, you're in, a, in a generational gap where you have a family business. Then you have your brother and, and, and you guys working the music business. And then you have... Your, your home life. So there's three different levels there yeah. that you're constantly making decisions for every day on where to spend your time and, and what's at stake with each decision that you make. Yes. A hundred percent. Yeah. And, and man, yeah, you couldn't be more accurate with all of that. I, I tell you every day it gets harder too. When I, you know, the, this, even this last trip I went on the road and, uh, my daughter that's five, she's starting to wrap her mind around, you know, what that means all of a sudden when her daddy is leaving and she was sobbing, you know, holding on to me, daddy, don't go, daddy, don't go. And, and, you know, talk about it, just ripping your heart out, but you're exactly right. You have these decisions that you still have to make. And you and I talked about this morning uh, when we were having coffee and I think it's in my, in my journey, in my faith journey with the Lord, um, it's been what I've struggled and wrestled with most is this idea of, and, and knowing that we have to have faith that God will lead and that he'll take care of us, that he'll provide. Um, but yet he's also given us, um, a brain to use and, um, you know, common sense and logic and, and where do those two meet? You know, where, at what crossroads do they kind of intersect? And I've been wrestling with that, wrestling with that as I kind of go through this journey with the the farm and the music and the family and prioritizing all these things and stepping out and doing things and, you know, uh, how to provide for my family. It's an ongoing journey. Um, but I do know at the end of the day, um, when we strip that all aside, at the end of the day, I want to do what the Lord wants me Amen. to do. Yeah. I want to walk um, on that path. And so it's one of those things where every night when I go to bed, I just plead with God, Lord, just give me the wisdom, give me the guidance, yeah. you know, give me clarity, help me to have faith um, that you will provide and take care and, 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 and lead me in the direction that you want to go. Well, it's interesting because, um, you know, I was talking to a spiritual mentor recently who knows the book very well, and he says, he goes, we'd be surprised how, how little God micromanages our lives. Like, you know, and, and, and a lot of people are under the false assumption that, you know, God is testing us each day. In other words, you know, trying to trick us. Or, and and that's, not, that's not what a loving God does, mm-hmm. right? Um, I believe in my own personal walk, I believe that we take a step in faith. 
and God meets us. And then we take another step in faith and God meets us. Like he wants us to meet us halfway there. He wants to see that we believe in him Mm -hmm. and we're willing to step out for him. And then he's like, I got you. And I'm walking with you at the same time. Um, If we talk about like, you know, we've been studying Moses a lot in Exodus and, and, and God's like, Hey, I made your mouth. I know what you're capable of. So I'm looking at you and, and, you know, uh, there's that famous, uh, Paul Harvey, God made a farmer. Oh yeah. I mean, if anybody hasn't listened to that, um, Google it and just read it. It's, it's beautiful. If you can hear Paul Hall, Paul, excuse me, if you can hear Paul Harvey say it, the audio version, because he's got that voice, but it's called God Made a Farmer, and it talks about all the hard work and all the values, you know, and and being here in Tennessee and uh, being around a lot of people who are farmers, uh, my uncles and aunts are farmers up in up in uh, Buffalo, New York. Uh, my aunt actually passed away on a farming accident. She had a tractor that uh, toppled over on her. So, um, I won't pretend to know a lot about it, but I've, I've heard the stories of farmers. I know how hard it is. I know in this day and age um, with government intrusion and, 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 and how the weather can just come in and, and time and what you guys put into it and technology. Um, I can't imagine what it's like, but I just know that God did create a farmer for all the values that we've read throughout the Bible, hard work, appreciation, tending to your crops, making sure that um, you reap what you sow, mm-hmm. right? Those are all farming principles. So, so now as we, as we go into this last part, let's talk about what you feel like just from the gut to be a Christian man. Let's take, let's take the, the music out of the way. Let's take the farming out of the way. Let's look at it from a point of just two guys talking about what they see in their children. You said when your daughter came up to you and and said, daddy, don't go. There's something about a daughter. And I can only relate to this because I don't have a son, but there's something (laughs) about a daughter. um, I feel it. And they grow up so quick and we don't want to miss the minutes, but yet we have to put in the work in order to get those minutes and get that quality time. Yeah. And it tugs on my heart, yeah. but they, they do grow up quick. So what would you say, what would be your best advice for just a young dad? Yeah. Not a, not a musician, not a farmer, just from one Christian man to another. Yep. Um, hundred percent. I, I would absolutely say, um, be very, um, I would absolutely say be very intentional. Okay. Yep. I like that. Um, for, for me, that's cause let's be real. Exactly what you said. We, as fathers, we still have to do what we got to do. We got to work. We got to provide for a family. Those are elements we still have to do. I think in a day and age where social media being on our phones, all these things have come into play. I have found myself so many times when I, even when I come home, I'm like, I'm texting and I'm doing work stuff on my phone and I'm, and it's been a challenge. My wife and I have now have an accountability with one another. Um, when I'm at home, when we're together as a family, phones go away. Yep. They get shut off and you be intentional with the time that you have with them. you be as intentional as possible. You, you have that eye and eye, you know, eye on eye contact yep. that, that to the physical touch, the playing, the having those moments, the, you know, so that you be very present. I think that's, that, that's the yeah. advice I would give is that when you are there, be there. And, and then, you know, it's funny, um, we both, well, I have three, my third on the way, you have three, and then you think, okay, then we have to tend to that, that relationship that, that sometimes we can take for granted, which is our marriage. And we yes. have to pour into our marriage. We have yes. to water and, and cultivate a marriage. Um, tell me about the relationship between you and Lindsay. 
Oh boy. <laughs> Where do I start with that one? Um, that, that has been a struggle for sure that, um, I'm going to be, I'm real honest. Uh, I mean, our marriage is amazing. We love each other to death. Um, you know, we're in it together for the long haul and neither of us are going anywhere. Um, that's first and foremost, but, um, there was a moment in, in our marriage when, um, it really, God kind of smacked me across the face. Yeah. And, um, I remember, I remember the exact moment it was and Lindsay came to me and she said, I feel like I have a roommate, not a husband. Oh yeah. Oh boy. Talk about a dagger to the heart. And, um, we sat down and we, for the next couple hours, started hashing through all the different reasons as to why right. that was um, and how we can change, you know, start changing those things. And through actually my brother-in-law, uh, Josh, with, uh, as you know him very well as well. Um, famous at home. Famous at home. Yeah. Throw it to him. Uh, he's an amazing man, amazing man of God. Um he encouraged me to start dating my wife again. Mm, I love that. And we have tried um, very hard, and I'm I'm still failing at it miserably. I know, but uh, we have tried very hard to start dating each other once again. To find those moments that sparks that fire, just like what it was when we first met each other. Um, uh, to start fanning that flame once again, and and to dig into to, to what makes that person tick and what makes them happy and what's important to them. I, I'm a firm believer that if you go into marriage thinking what you can get out of it rather than what you can give, you're mm -hmm. going to have problems. And so I think um, it's been something we've been, we've tried to put to the forefront is what that other person needs. What can we do to give and pour into their life? um, to help make, uh, our marriage better. And so, um, yeah, it's a journey once again, yeah. but, uh, we're working on it. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to be very honest with you too. What you said resonates with me. You know, I can't tell you how many times that either Angelique's come to me or I've come to her and I said, I feel like, I feel like we're just living in the same house. I feel like we're just passing each other and we're going about our task as if we're, as if we're just assigned to this house and you do this and I do this and, and we're missing the parts that made us fall in love. So this is just a very honest moment, you know, and I think this is, this is something that's hard for us to talk about as, as loving husbands. Cause you, like you said, we're in it for the long haul, but if, if we could go back and tell our ourselves on our wedding night, or if we could go back right now and tell any young man or woman that is getting ready to go into a marriage that they plan on lasting forever this is valuable advice. Yeah. There certainly will be times when you walk around your house going, where, where's the romance? Where is, where is the intimacy? Where is the laughter? Because work, children, stress, all these things will come in between you and that relationship. You know, I mean, look, you were talking about, you know, coming home and, and your second child, right? After a long day's work. I mean, Angelique and I, we had to go, we had to go to Europe and have my, my parents watch my child so we can have a second child. I mean, it's, it's funny. You guys can fill in the, fill in the dots there. Right. But the fact of the matter is you don't have a lot of time. And that's why, you know, a turned on, a turned on marriage says 
keep the TV out of the bedroom, keep the devices out of the bedroom, yeah. try and keep the children out of the bedroom because that's your sanctuary. That's where intimacy happens. That's where hard conversations happen. And look, just because you're a Christian, we got to clear this up with people. It doesn't mean God gives you a pass and says, hey, you'll have no problems in your marriage. Everything will go great. You're beyond all temptations of any normal man. And you have God, I mean, he makes it easier because you're living by a code of conduct. You're yeah. living by example. And you know that it's not just you and your spouse in the marriage, but it's you, your spouse, and God. But this is what you said earlier, Luke. You said you have to be intentional with your children, and the same thing goes for your wife. Yeah. And it's even as we say it here today in this interview, and we're both shaking our heads and looking at each other going, yes, what will happen? What, what could happen in 24 hours? What could happen in a week is we get back into the grind. We get back into the stress. We get back into trying to achieve things. And next thing you know, we're looking at our spouse going, going man, we fell off it. So I, I compare it um, in my course. Um, I don't know how familiar you are with American basketball, but Allen Iverson has this famous rant where he talks about practice. He's like, you want me to practice? And he, he says it 25 times. You talk about practice. We're talking practice. And he just keeps going. He goes, the game I love, the game I dedicated my life to, you're talking about practice. Now, I want you to compare that to your marriage. It's the same thing. Mm -hmm. You're talking about intimacy. You're talking about loving my wife. You mean, you mean my wife, the one I gave my life to, the one I've dedicated everything? You're, you're talking about I need to practice that. I need to practice. We need to go out. We need to have dates. Yeah. And you see the correlation. Yes. Because if we don't practice, if we're not intentional with our children and with our wives, all of a sudden, that's when the enemy creeps in. That's when the enemy creeps in. Yeah. So I, I want to applaud you for, for being vulnerable, for, for saying that. And I want to just say, look, I'm right there with you. Yeah. It, doesn't mean, it doesn't mean anything else except that we are human and we are susceptible to everything else. But when God is in the center of your marriage, my friends— it, it is somebody that's there with you to bond you through the hard times. I always said in my book, it's not how you, if you'll fight in a marriage, it's how you'll fight. Yeah. Right. hundred percent. Yeah. No, I, I, I couldn't agree with you more. I, um, one of the things just as a, you know, something that really helped us out. Um, I know and where I was guilty of, and I think probably a lot of people can relate to this, um, is, uh, in the evenings when we were together, you, you get into a habit of turning the TV on, watching Netflix, kind of binge, binging, doing that thing. And oftentimes, you know, either I would be tired and I would go to bed and Lindsay would stay or vice versa. And one thing that radically, radically changed things for us was either cutting one of those episodes so short or not doing it at all if it was late enough and going to bed at the exact same time. Oh yeah. And using that time to put the phones away, connect with one another, talk to each other. How did your day go? You know, it's just something yeah. simple like that, but going to bed at the same time, we found radically changed things and just having that intimate time to connect um, made a world of difference for us. It's so ironic that you're saying this, and we've never spoke about this, have we? That, that's no, the first time I've heard you say that. Yeah. But ironically, again, not to plug my book, but it's, it's in the book, and it's something that Angelique and I just, we've always done. And, and I asked our friends, Chris and Lori Harder, who have been married probably five years longer than us, and they have a great marriage as well. And I was just curious. I said, hey, hey guys, um, we were talking to him one day, and I said, when's the last time you guys have gone to bed separately or, or at different times, or do you do it often? And they said the same thing you do. 
Like wow. never. Yeah. They're like, uh, and it's the same thing with Angelique and myself. It's, we'd never say, Hey, I'm going to bed. Okay. And you'll come to bed in a couple hours, or I'm going to go to bed and you stay up and watch this TV in bed. It's like, we, we go to bed at the same time. And, and then the last thing I'll say about this is what Angelique taught me. And I think it's hugely important is we pray out loud together uh-huh. at night yeah. because here's why Luke for, for years I was raised Catholic and I just said my hail Marys and my, our fathers and, and I prayed silently and Angelique was like, we need to pray out loud together. And at first, I'll be honest with you, it was awkward for me. Mm-hmm. And then once we started doing it, I realized the power of her words to God, like the, the power of what she was sending up between us out loud. And I could hear her even on nights when I was mad at her and I wanted to turn my head and fall asleep. And she's sitting there going, Heavenly Father, thank you for my loving husband who I am so proud of and who is such a caring, you know, I was like, Wow. I mean, she's saying all these things about me, and I, and I know she's not lying. She's not lying to God. This isn't coming from her heart, and it softened my heart yeah. because what we get in the, in the problem with is assuming, right? Imagine we lay down with our spouse, and we're assuming that they're praying in silence that they're praying for us. Yeah. And, and what if they're praying, you know, God, I wish my husband would be um, a little bit more gentle. I wish my husband would be a little bit more understanding or listen to me more, mm-hmm. right? And we would never know that. Yeah. So now – it's not only the praying out loud and praising your spouse, right? That goes both ways, but it's, it's praying for some divine intervention to come into your marriage. And it's almost like having your own marriage counselor every night, but it's the ultimate marriage counselor. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's powerful. I love that so much. And it was awkward. It was awkward and we, we never skip it. And like, we know, right. As men, women, women like to hold things into the very end of the day. You could be fighting all day and they say everything's fine. And you're like, I know she's mad about something. I know she got pissed off around two o'clock, but she hasn't said anything. And I've asked her four times and she says, it's okay. And man, as your eyelids are closing, you're ready to go into REM sleep. And your wife says, I can't believe you're going to fall asleep. And I'm like, are you serious? <laughs> I asked you five, six times today, and now I'm about to go to sleep, and now you want to talk about it? And thank God, because uh, as men, we, we kind of think that, oh, it, it'll all be better in the morning. But that's what happens. It builds up in layers and layers and layers. So thank God they pull it out of us. Yeah, absolutely. But that's a godly marriage. I'm, I'm so glad you brought that up. I yeah. feel like that's, that's quality stuff right there. No, and thanks for sharing that as well, David. That's, uh, that's amazing. That's something that we'll definitely uh, try to implement in our, in our own marriage. So thank you for that wisdom. Well, there's been a lot of great nuggets. Um, I, know, I know you have to get going. Um, I want to thank you for coming out today. Tell us just real briefly, I, I would be remiss if I was a huge music fan and I didn't ask you about the music. So tell us about where they can find the Hunter Brothers. Tell us about uh, Don't Be Shy. I mean, you're, you guys are a, a huge deal. It's, it's the equivalent to the American Grammys. It's called the Juno Awards, and they are up for Breakthrough Artists and Country Music Artists of the Year. And um, if you ever pull up a video, pull up the Hunter Brothers on YouTube and watch these guys on stage. It is amazing. So tell us about where they can find you and what's going on. Oh, thank, uh, thank you for that, David. I really appreciate it. Um, yeah, I mean, we're on the, the typical social sites. So um, Instagram at, at Hunter Bros. And as you already mentioned on Facebook. Um, and uh, we're on Twitter as well. You can find us there. Um, YouTube, you can search our videos and our, our music on YouTube. And um, But we sure, sure, we, I just want to say a huge thank you to you and Angelique as well. Um, just to kind of, 
just for, I don't really want to talk about myself. I, I just want to say thank you to you and Ange. Um, you guys have been incredible with Lindsay and I and amazing leaders and mentors uh, for us in so many ways already in just short amount of time that we've spent together. And uh, we sure love you guys. And we, we, we really truly appreciate who you guys are. And I, I thank you for giving me this time here today and uh, for letting me speak and share my heart and, and, and uh, for being so encouraging. I just want you to know how much that means to us. Uh, my brother. Hey, this is, this is the beginning of our friendship. I'm going to, uh, I'm going to thank you. I'm going to, I'm going to do a little, not, not a full on prophecy, but I'm going to prophesize here. You, uh, we're about 30 minutes south of the country music hall of fame. So, uh, someday when you and your brothers are being inducted, you know, if you could just throw it, throw a little ticket out to Angelique and myself, uh, we'd be, we'd be happy to do that. Um, we, we thank you for being here. Um, I'm, I'm just so glad that you guys are part of our lives. And, uh, I just say, May God bless you and Lindsay and the family and, and your brothers and your, and your parents as well. Thank you so much, David. Appreciate it, brother. All right. We'll see you next time on the Turned On Podcast.